the voyage of the page turner episode 5 mystery of the mire Hello, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner, the choose your own page turning podcast with me comedian Colin Lego. Welcome back, or if you're new, hello, nice to see your face. And if you are new, you need to know what this podcast is, I suppose. And if you're a returning listener, uh, sorry about this, I'm just going to waffle on for a bit about what I waffle on for for the rest of the podcast. So essentially, this podcast is load of waffle. <laughs> so no, me and a comedian guest every week take one of the multiple choice adventure books from the 1980s and we review it by going through the book, talking about the 1980s and usually veering off and talking about snacks from the 1980s. I didn't actually know when I started this podcast that snacks would feature so heavily and people's opinions about what snacks they like and don't like and what snacks should still be on the shelves more than 40 years after they came out. People have got big opinions about these things. I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter about how snacks have changed over the years and I put a photograph of my favorite snack from the 1980s which were Wotsits. Yeah, good old cheesy Wotsit crisps. If you aren't from the UK you need to know that a watsit is like a cheesy puff crisp you know the i think that's the name in america cheesy puff crisps of course you wouldn't say crisp you'd say chips but cheesy puff chips <laughs> because chips and crisps are two different things depending on which side of the atlantic you are on same with uh, cookies and biscuits i mean it's a minefield Anyway, I put this picture of a bag of Watsits on Twitter and Mark Elton, my friend Mark Elton got back to me and he was disgusted because the photo I had chosen was a modern day packet of Watsits. So Mark commented on the photo on Twitter and said, "1980 stroke 90s adventurer, you'd be sneering in disgust at your trendy low calorie 21st century baked Watsits." It's very true, Mark. I think I would. I, I, snacks have tried to get health here haven't they as we've kind of developed and people have got very health conscious but yeah those watsits are baked now and not fried sweets in general are less dangerous i think for your health i don't just mean if you're eating them and the sugar content and the, are they baked are they fried but generally i mean sweets back in the 80s were dangerous I, i mean you could weaponize most of the confectionery packets of smarties they they came in a tube and if you wanted to all you need to do is eat the smarties obviously and then put the top back on the tube go up to someone slap the tube together in both your hands and that lid was going right in that person's eye <laughs> We used to have fights in the playground with packs of Smarties. Uh the final thing I'm going to say about sweets and confectionery for now comparing them from the 80s up to present day. Uh I, it occurred to me recently and and I'm going to say this and I don't mind being controversial. I don't mind it. So strap on in. It occurred to me that all a penguin biscuit is is a glorified bourbon biscuit. Yeah? See, it never occurred to me before. All a penguin is is a glorified bourbon biscuit with a bit of chocolate round the outside. That's all it is. Yeah. Again, if you're from America, you're thinking what is Colin talking about? Penguins being like biscuits. I don't mean the animal. I mean there is a biscuit, a cookie called a penguin, which is essentially a bit like a bourbon, which again is not the whiskey, it's a biscuit which is not a biscuit, it's a cookie. So a penguin is not like whiskey covered in chocolate. Okay, I'll just leave it there. It's getting confusing. 
Thank you again for all the Twitter interactions we've had over the last week. Very exciting. People have been following and liking and commenting, so that's really good. And also, people have commented and said that people should follow our podcast, which is really lovely. One of those was the Reverie True Crime podcast with host Paige. So thanks, Paige, for that. Really appreciate that. And very excitedly, for the first time, if you want to get in touch, here is Sam, our voiceover guy, with those details. Are you enjoying this nonsense? I hope they are, Sam. Do you want to let us know the email address for anything that you aren't prepared to say directly to our pathetic little faces is voyageofthepageturner at gmail.com. Thank you, Sam. Or for any of you that think you're cool and have what I'll refer to as a phone, then you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at pageturnershow. Find us. Message us, like us, whatever you do, tweet wisely. So there you go. Right, well, episode five today, and I'm very excited because for the first time in this podcast series, my guest today wasn't born in the 1970s or 80s or 90s. No, I think he was born in the 90s, but only just. He's a young whippersnapper, (laughs) just to sound like a granddad there. But um, my guest today, Gareth, he's 22 Oh, 22. So when he was born, I was well into my university education. I sound like an old man. But Gareth's on today because A, he's a very funny guy. And B, he loves a story. He loves some of this role play storytelling and adventures because he's heavily involved in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I was a bit worried about asking him to do this because these books are very 1980s, aren't they? You know what you're getting and they're very of their time. But weirdly, as I've got to know Gareth, Gareth. Gareth has a weird breadth of knowledge that he shouldn't have. I don't, he seems to know about things from my childhood, even though he was born 20 years after I was born. For, for an example, online I might mention a classic 1980s British sitcom, I don't know, like The Good Life or something, and Gareth would know about it and be able to tell me about episodes about it. It's a bit weird. Anyway, that will become apparent in this episode. I had a lot of fun recording this with Gareth, and let's see how he does as we get into episode 5 of Voyage of the Page Turner. Gareth Morgan is a joke writer, theatre maker, Dungeons and Dragons fan, and games master. Gareth clearly possesses the correct skills to deal with wizards, warlocks, and bloodhunters. But will those skills help him today to defeat the Mayan Shaman? Watch out, Gareth. There are no dragons to keep you company now. Gareth, it's lovely to have you on the show. Are you excited about being the Voyager? I am so excited to be the Voyager. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. No, it's fine. I mean, let's see how you're feeling in half an hour's time when you're either dead or covered in jewels. (laughs) That's very true. There's two firsts for the show today. Uh, the, the first first is that you are the the first Voyager to be under the age of 35. So congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Thanks very much. Um, oh, just, just on that, I mean, so far, it's just so happened that all the guests I've had have been around the same age as me. We're sort of um, the right or wrong side of 40. And so we've got a bit of a connection to these books in that they are from our childhood 
childhood, these kind of books, because, you know, I would say you're a, a millennial. Is that right? You're a millennial? Yeah, um, I tread the line very finely between, like, millennial and Gen Z, like, right at the end of the 90s. I claim I'm a millennial, millennials claim I'm a Gen Z, mm. kind of up in the air, but uh, either way, I'm entitled with a lot of opinions, so yeah, <laughs> whatever, you know. I've known you for just over a year, and I, I call you the millennial granddad in such a fond <laughs> way, because you've got an old head on young shoulders. Oh, thank you very much, Colin. You're pretty right with that. Yeah, I'm pretty old. Like, there's a tendency I have to always be in scenarios with my friends where I'm just like, this is not a good idea. This is just, <laughs> we should not do this. <laughs> oh, no. You might be too sensible for this podcast. No, but what I was saying was, I mean, in the 80s, these books were our only entertainment before kind of computer games came in. These Choose Your Own Adventure books, did they ever feature in your childhood maybe a different version? Yes, weirdly, they did, because I had a few of them. They weren't, like, they didn't have the, like, really sci-fi 80s cover on them, like the fantasy kind of things, but I remember there was one where you'd, you were, like, sneaking around an abandoned castle, Ah. and you'd go into, and things would happen in different rooms. There was that one, and there was a circus one. So, so you are you sort of aware of them, and that sort of making choices in a story. Yeah. You're 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 aware of that because the other thing, which is uh, new to this podcast, is that you are uh, a Dungeons and Dragons player. Is that the right term? Uh, yeah, I play Dungeons and Dragons, and I run Dungeons and Dragons as well. It's like the game master who like tells. I, I basically do your job in this podcast, but. For Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Because there's been some interest in the D and D. I know all the terminology. The D and D community. Yeah, I, th- I think this podcast kind of has a bit of crossover with that. So, for anyone who's not aware of Dungeons and Dragons, we all know the term. But what does it entail? What is it about? Dungeons and Dragons is basically, if I relate it to choose your own adventure book, it's a choose your own adventure book but where the book you're reading is one you're kind of writing as you go along. Where the decisions you make as a player and as a group of players, the person running the game has to basically constantly go, okay, you've gotten to this place, you can do X, Y, Z. What do you want to do? And you kind of, based on your choices as players and the encounters with friendly people and foes and monsters and these kind of things and the different experiences and places you go kind of tell this story of your characters being this like troop of of adventuring adventurers (laughs) who end up you know conquering evil and saving the day you know so it's like a choose your own adventure book but with a much kind of wider scale it's not as linear a story. Okay, so yeah, as the facilitator or the game's leader, you make up the choices for people? Effectively, you kind of go, okay, they've decided that they're going to, they've arrived in town, they've decided they're going to go to this tavern. What could be in the tavern? Okay, you can go and talk to the one-armed orcish barkeep. There's, uh, there's a guy who looks like a human who is sat at a table in the corner shrouded in shadow and there's a bunch of gnomes playing a dice game what do you want to do i mean this is my hometown of falmouth you've described on a saturday night yeah 
that's where I base a lot of my Dungeons and Dragons off is, is Cornwall if I'm yeah, honest nice. ne- never go to a bar where there's a one-armed barkeeper because they can't mix cocktails they can't do it no they cannot at all no it's either, it's either they, they can't or they can but it's suspicious how they do it that's right it's one of those two things because if a one-armed barkeep hands you a cocktail you go where were you holding the shaker yeah that's my question yeah and what are you using to stir it? So, exactly. yeah. So, okay. So, th- these stories by R.A. Montgomery, uh, and we're both on book five today. Very exciting. Story number five. They are, like you said, they are quite linear. They do have only two choices in the book at, at certain points. Are you a good decision maker in life generally? Are, are you a, an adventurous person, or honestly, depends on my blood alcohol level. Um, <laughs> which, is, being... which is currently what. Currently zero. Oh. I'm currently zero. I decided I'm going on my friend's podcast. I don't want to be drunk. You know, I thought that might be the sensible thing. Oh. So perhaps I'm a sensible decision maker based off of that. Yeah. Um, but I have definitely in my life done reckless things and just gone, yeah, why not? And okay. just thrown myself into it. Yeah. Um, but as you said, old head on young shoulders, I do have a tendency from a very young age to want to fit in with people's parents and it just led to me being quite a mature person. I was the eight-year-old at the eight-year-old's birthday party who was like, oh, they're all playing with the action men. I'm going to go and talk to the grown-ups. I'm going to be that kid and I'm going to pretend I know what taxes are, you know? I say, Mr. So. Williams, that's a lovely car. What, what, what is the mileage on that outside on the driveway? <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> So, you, so like you said, you are a millennial, maybe Generation Z. What do you say? Not, I was going to say Jay Z. Then you're not Jay Z. I mean, I'm. I, yes, I am Jay Z. Uh, no, I, I like to consider myself a late stage millennial. No, oh, okay, a late stage millennial. Tell me about when you were eight, nine, ten. And you were going on an adventure, and I mean by that I mean going down the park to sit on a bench or climb a tree mm-hmm. or something. Yep, yep, yep. What was your snack of choice or sweets of choice? What are you taking mm. on that adventure? See, I was big, big sweet tooth. It's kind of diminished a little bit as I've reached the ripe old age of twenty-two. Yeah, but I definitely still have that kind of sweet tooth lurking in the back there. So when I was like nine or ten, if I had my pick of sweets. It was one of three things. I had three favourites. It was fruit salad chewits. Oh, classic! Mm, classic fruit salad chewits. Yeah. You couldn't get you couldn't get them in the shops. We had to buy them from like was it Macro the wholesaler oh, yeah. place? Right. Okay. Uh, so we had to get like big boxes of them whenever we go to Macro to like stock up on things that you buy in bulk. Um, I was so young. I was so young that when we went to Macro, all my brain was thinking about was chewits. I didn't pay attention to anything <laughs> else we bought. Roundtree fruit pastels. Or another classic, Gareth. Oh, love fruit sweets. And the final one, which is something that I haven't had in years and I'd quite like to find again, is jelly tots. Are you sure you're 22? Because all I these sweets... I am, I know they sound so old. I know they sound old. I might well be saying Werther's original. These could all be from 1983. They totally could... Even 1963, I reckon. <laughs> Wow. And the other ones were like Tutti Frutti's. I enjoyed Tutti Frutti's. Like the ones where they had like the hard casing on them. Those were Stop. Delicious. Stop oh. it now. In a minute you'll be saying that. Well, you used to have those in the shelter in the Second World War. I remember the Tutti Frutti's <laughs> down there whilst the air raid sirens are going off. Come on. 
All right. Yeah, the two threes in the purple pack. I know exactly what you're talking about, but this is not how a 22-year-old speaks. All right, well, we've got to imagine that eight-year-old Gareth is going on this adventure now with his packet of tutti-frutties. And let's adventure into book number five. Episode five. Mystery of the Maya. Your best friend Tom goes missing on assignment. Mago. You have to help find him. Will it require you to take a potion that sends you back to the world of the mysterious Mayan civilization, or is Tom still here in the present day? And can you trust Manuel? Depending on your choices, you may become a great Mayan ruler, or a double agent fighting a modern revolution. The wrong choice could turn into a human sacrifice. On a bloody altar. My first question here, Gareth. Can you tell me a Manuel? We don't know who Manuel is. Who are you expecting Manuel might be? Can you trust Manuel? <laughs> I'm going to be honest, my, my immediate brain, and again, this is not a, t- a 22-year-old's knowledge, but my brain immediately, when I hear the name Manuel, thinks of Faulty Towers. <laughs> so I'm just imagining a very incompetent Spanish waiter. Wow. I have to do lots of accents in these stories, so we'll go with that when we find Manuel. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for your Manuel from Faulty Towers. Oh. oh, no. All right, well, let's find out who Manuel is and can you find Tom. Here we go. It is night. You are standing on a flat top of a stone pyramid. Men dressed in long green robes crowd around you. They chant and sing in a language you don't understand. You look into the misty light for your friend Tom. Suddenly, you see him struggling for his life. He is strapped to an altar, his arms and legs tied down. Let me remind you, this is a book for eight to ten year olds. (laughs) It's gone very dark very quickly. I'm sorry, Gareth. Yeah. Okay. Tom's terrified eyes meet yours, and you see him mouth the words, Help me, please. A man in robe steps forward and begins to slide a knife across Tom's throat. No! You scream, reaching out. You jerk awake and sit up, looking around. You are at home, in your room. There's no altar. There's no men singing. You take some deep breaths. It was just a bad dream. Oh, Gareth, I thought we were going very... Yeah, that took a turn very, very fast. It's a dream. We're okay. Breathe. Eat eat a jelly top. Three days ago, your best friend Tom disappeared on assignment in Mexico. He was doing a piece for cable TV on the ancient Mayan temples in the Chechen Itzia. His assistant, Amanda, called to tell you the news. Tom was onto a hot story, but he wouldn't say what on the phone. After he was reported missing, the police found fresh blood on the altar used for human sacrifices by the Maya. No one has seen him since, Amanda tells you. Who called to tell you, you ask? Tom's guide, Manuel. Tom said if anything happened to him, I should call you straight away. She replies. Do you think you could go down there and look for him? I'm really worried. Hmm. Um, Gareth, what do you what do you right. think about Amanda so far? What are your thoughts? 
Okay, I've, I've got to I've got to just go a little bit further back because I have a question. Yeah. Which is, if I'm eight and my best friend is on a news assignment in Mexico, is this some Back to the Future scenario where I'm like, well, it's like Marty's in his teens and Doc's like sixty? Is this like I'm as an eight-year-old, I'm best friends with like a thirty-year-old journalist who's like smoking six packs a day? He's like, it's a tough world out there, kid. <laughs> Uh, wow, yes, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, I mean... Just call the police. Yeah, let's ignore the fact that she's telling you, an eight-year-old, to go down to find Tom in the Mayan civilization. We'll just gloss over that for now. Um, Tom is your oldest friend. You have known each other since kindergarten. You have no choice. You must go to Mexico to find him. Of course I'll go, you tell Amanda. That was three days ago. You look at the packed bag next to your bed and then at your watch. Even though it's still dark, it's almost time to get up and away. A few short hours later, you are flying at 35,000 feet en route to Mexico. Several books on the Maya are spread out in front of you. Tom flew into the city. Your plan is to go there and try and retrace Tom's steps. Amanda has arranged for Manuel, Tom's guide, to meet you at the airport. Manuel is a well-known guide for those who seek the mysteries of the Maya. Amanda tells you. And he has good connections at the university where the best Mayan scholars work. But Manuel also has a reputation for being unusual. Mm. Now, what before? We're well, not. He might be a Spanish waiter. What are you expecting from Manuel? Has a reputation for being unusual. I'm expecting him to sell me to the mic. Like that is genuinely like you were. Like it was like it all adds up. Like I hate to get my red string and my pins out, but I'm saying like well-known guide yeah. knows a lot about the Maya oh. oh no this child's gone missing and there's blood at the altar I'm saying it all adds up and the fingers are starting to point in Manuel's direction so I'm suspicious of him wow suspicious. and I think you I think you have a right to be because this is the next line Tom suspects that Manuel might be a reincarnation of an ancient Mayan shaman <laughs> wow okay <laughs> This is instant confirmation of every worry I've ever had. Absolutely. The Maya believed shamans represented the link between heaven and earth. You are curious to meet Manuel. Several hours later, you land in the city and pass through customs. Suddenly, as if appearing out of nowhere, a man is by your side. Hello, my name is Manuel. Might be offensive. <laughs> Hello, my name is Manuel. It sounds more like Borat. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am gonna be your guide. Welcome to Mexico. He shakes your sorry, Gareth. He shakes your hand and smiles. Manuel's skin shines like copper. His large nose and sloping forehead reminds you of an ancient Mayan paintings and stone carvings in the books you studied on the plane. Suddenly you realise that Manuel himself must have descended from the Mayan people. I tried to help Tom, Manuel says, grabbing your heavier suitcase, but unfortunately he did not always take my advice. Maybe together we can find him. Hmm. Where do you think we should start, Manuel, you ask? 
perhaps at the university. I don't know where I'm from anymore. Dr. Lopez might help you. He is a leading expert on the Mayan sacrifice. Or maybe we should go straight to the Chichen Itzia, the last place Tom was seen alive. Now, Gareth, you have to make your first choice. You could decide to go and visit Dr. Lopez at the university. He is an expert on the Mayan people. Or you could decide to go straight to the Chichen Itza, where Tom was last seen. Given that I am eight years old, I think me turning up with some certain, like, 30s Mexican man and going, Hi, my friend might have been killed. And I'm uh, I'm looking for information. Yeah, I think I'd rather I'd rather find out a bit more about what I'm asking about because otherwise I'm just like, hey, is there is there a history of children being kidnapped and killed? <laughs> and then that's kind of suspect. So I think I'm yeah. gonna go to Chichen Itza or whatever it's called. You're gonna, I'm go, gonna to the... go there and find out some more information. Wow. So so at the Chichen Itza was where Tom was last seen. You're gonna go straight there. Yeah, because if there's blood there, then I'm like, kind of like, okay. You decide to go straight to the Chichen Itza to talk to the police. First, you and Manuel drive to your hotel and spend the night there. That sounds dodgy. Um, (laughs) The city was founded by the Spanish after the conquest of of Mexico in the 16th century. There are old churches and fortresses that give the town a Spanish flavour. Uh, hence why there's a Spanish waiter that you're following around, I would imagine. Tomorrow we begin, Manuel says. Chichen Itza, the largest site of Mayan ruins, is famous as a centre of lost power. It holds a huge pyramid, a domed observatory, a deep water hole, and a famed and feared bull court. In ancient times, the losers of the ball game also lost their lives. That night, you notice that Manuel is quiet. He clears his throat to speak. <coughs> I have been thinking, Manuel begins. You may want to go to Uxbal first. While smaller than Chichen Itza, Uxbal is far older. The temple of the magicians at Uxmal is filled with mystery. The last day, Tom kept it a secret where he went, Manuel adds. Gareth, you've got another choice here. Basically, you spent a night with Manuel, separate beds, I reckon. And you can decide now, do you still go to the Chichen Itza, where you were going? Or do you decide to take Manuel's advice and go to the Uxmal instead? I feel kind of threatened because Manuel said, Oh, well, Tom didn't take my advice and look what happened to him. Yes. So I'm I'm wondering if it's like a bluff or a double bluff. But I'm eight, so I don't think about it too hard. So I think I'm going to go where he said. I think I'm going to go with him on this one. You've got a hunch that Tom might have gone to Uxmal. You go with Manuel to the bus station for the trip there. The trip is long and hot, but finally you arrive at the ruins of the city. The Temple of Magicians looms over the land. Steep stone steps ascend to a smaller temple building on top of a pyramid. On top of a pyramid. Across <laughs> from... I couldn't say pyramid, I said pyramid. On top of the pyramid. <laughs> On top of the pyramid. On top of the pyramid there. Across <laughs> from the temple of the magicians is a large rectangular building which the Spanish call the nunnery. No one really knows what it was used for. 
What do you think, Manuel? Any ideas about its purpose, you ask? Manuel hesitates for a minute and says, Perhaps the building was a place for the shamans. Maybe they conducted their magic there. Where should you start looking? At the Temple of the Magicians or the Nunnery? What would Tom have done if he came to Uxmal? So here's your choices, Gareth. You could decide to go into this temple of magicians, or you could go, randomly, into the nunnery. A nunnery sounds very dull compared to, like, if you think, like, where the hot story's gonna be. But, like, still, like, I think we're gonna go to the magician's temple, because the nunnery sounds like the kind of quiet place where he could slit my throat, you know? Yeah, fair enough. And even danger aside, you're right. Like, as an eight- or nine-year-old, you go, do you want to Do you want to watch David Blaine, or do you want to watch some nuns? You're gonna go with David Blaine, aren't you? You're gonna yeah, go you're with gonna the go, magic. Like, you go where the magic takes you. The words, Temple of Magicians, excites you. You walk towards a huge pyramid, but a crowd of tourists is busy snapping cameras and shoving and pushing. They surround the base. You stand for a moment, waiting for the crowd to clear, when an old man with wrinkled skin, wearing a colourful shawl of the Maya, shuffles up to you. Where where would he be from, do you think, Gareth? What accent should we go for? <laughs> let's, let's test your chops, Colin. I reckon he's from Canada. Oh, okay. He's from Canada slash America. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, come with me. No, I don't know what that is. Come with me. Come, hey, hey there. Come with me. Okay, he's getting there. Come with me, he says, beckoning you with his hand crippled with age. I will take you to see a very deep water hole. You will be amazed at what I will show you in this well. You look around, but Manuel is nowhere to be seen. Where has he gone? Now, Gareth, you have a choice. You can obviously go with the Canadian that sounds a little bit like he's from New York as well. You can go with him to see this well. Or you could decide to wait for Manuel. Find him and wait for him. Even if, if Manuel comes back, yeah, then I'm just an eight-year-old with two far older gentlemen. <laughs> One's got hands crippled with age as well. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, is it better to trade paedophiles or add to paedophiles? You know? I'm sorry if I've taken it to a place. No, <laughs> but, no, I, I but agree with you. But given that this started in the I first mean, three sentences, I watched my friend's throat being slit. I feel like true. I haven't taken it too much darker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've decided to go with the man crippled with age to go and see the well. You have always been an adventurer. So of course you follow the old man to the secret well. The trail is a faint path through the tangles of bushes and within 15 minutes you are completely lost. Hey old man, where is this well of yours? He turns and smiles at you. Here it is. But instead of a well, you find yourself surrounded by three old men. They do not smile. Give us your money. <gasps> you fumble for your wallet. There are two American $10 bills and 300 Mexican pesos. You hand them over to the men. They tie you up with a rough hemp rope, load you onto a donkey and move off into the jungle. 
We will hold you for ransom. Your people will pay and pay plenty. If they don't, you die. We have another hostage. You will keep him company. You hope that your family will be able to come with the ransom money. You also hope that the other hostage is Tom. The end. <laughs> what? Gareth, there are 39 endings to this book. And you've picked a very short one. But as Manuel would say, that is the way the cookie crumbles. Ultimately, I, I would like to defend my my ending here. I was sent on a very specific mission by that paper thin assistant. That, yeah. Like it was just like, hey, eight year old help. Yeah. Um, and her her what she said to me was, go and find him. She didn't say anything about bringing him or myself back. <laughs> you so might have I found him. <laughs> odds are the other captive is Tom, and I think job done. Frankly, I think I've nailed it. Job done. It's quite a short journey, but very eventful. Can, can I take you back to when you were eight now? If you were reading that book and yeah. that happened, how would you feel? You're, you're, you're trying to entertain I mean, yourself for half an hour with a book and then you get tied to a donkey. Yeah, if, if I'd read that as an eight-year-old and it was like, and that's the way it ends, probably would have thrown the book. With all, like, pun intended, that ending was ass. You know? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, yeah. pun very much intended. Yeah. Like, them turning around and, like, mugging me, I was like, oh, that's, like, interesting. And I was like, cool. And it was like, and then they also tie me to the donkey. And I'm like... I'm still with you. I still think that Manuel has something to do mm. with even you being tied. I, I think he's in on all of it somewhere. I want there to be at least another page where it says, you're on the back of the donkey traveling through the jungle. You look up and notice the donkey looks a lot like Manuel. <laughs> and he's kind of morphed into a donkey because he's also a shaman or something. Yeah. Yeah, he got his way. Well, Gareth, that was a very short story. But hey, that is the way it goes with these books. Yeah. Did you enjoy your adventure, The Mystery of the Maya? I absolutely did. And I look forward to my new life, scrubbing pots and being a general servant boy to a bunch of old withered men until they die in two years and then I starve to death because I'm ten. Yeah. There's not a lot of hope. The only hope is my family with the ransom money, but given that they're sending the message from deep in the jungle, I'm like, how does that... Are they trying to send a smoke signal to the Bronx? I don't think that's going to work. You know? Like, <laughs> I feel like they've only got limited communication powers. <laughs> it's like how... like There's snail mail, but then, you know, there's donkey through a vast mangrove jungle. Mail. Mail. I feel like it's very slow, you know? <laughs> and that, that is the same transport that Hermes used to deliver their parcels. So, um, oh, yeah, please don't at me on Twitter, Hermes. <laughs> um, I do love the random shot at Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had anything Colin's delivered by beef. them? I've got, got I have beef. got beef. I have got beef. And, for, and with DHL, they can all... Oh, lockdown's been terrible for deliveries. Let me, don't even get me started. <laughs> Gareth, it was lovely to have you on Voyage of the Page Turner. Um, I'm sorry that your journey was short, but memorable. Absolutely. I haven't died. <laughs> Not it yet. Hasn't specified. I'm just, you know, living in a colony of old wrinkly men. Exactly. What's worse, death or being surrounded by OAPs whilst you live your life strapped to a donkey? I don't know which is worse. 
Do you think your Dungeons and Dragons experiences and training helped you make decisions, or was it just a totally different experience? Given how fast it ended, Colin, I'm gonna say no. No, um, no but I think it, I think the my brain definitely kicked into Dungeons and Dragons mode when I was like, oh, but if I go here, I might have the option. Like when it was an issue, like, do you want to go to this cool Mayan temple? Or to a university, it's like like Gareth, twenty two year old guy, is like, I just got out of a university. I'm, I don't yeah. think there's anything there that yeah, an eight yeah, year yeah. old is gonna be like. I barely understood it, and I was like twenty. So an eight year old is not gonna, in my experience, the academic is just gonna throw a book at them, and go read this, and then the eight year old won't, or they <laughs> yeah. will, and they'll just won't understand it, and then they'll have to cram an essay the night before. I'm pleased this book had a bit of magic and a bit of things which were a little bit sort of otherworldly with the whole the whole shaman and things because these books can yeah. be very straightforward with very mm. everyday things. Dungeons and Dragons, not so much. It's all about the wizards and warlocks and that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you've got like this idea of like magic incorporated yeah. in the world and spell casting and the different kinds of magic. So you have like divine magic which is given by the gods and then you have like druidic magic which is all nature based and then you have arcane magic which is the study of magic and how people over time have created these runes that will create magic so it's yeah it's real nerdy and i love it (laughs) (laughs) um if people wanted to find out a bit more about dungeons and dragons and maybe get into that a little bit uh, and, and experience these kind of like uh, adventure storytelling dice games. Where would they do that online? Is there a community? Plenty of places. There's lots of like forums, and especially a good place to go for introductions is YouTube. If you Google like introduction to D and D, how to play D and D, or how to play Dungeons and Dragons into YouTube, so many videos will come up that will be very useful as to like how to start off and how to get there. There's also a website called D&D Beyond, which is made by the by Wizards of the Coast, which is the company that's made D&D, who's made like this game franchise. Mm. Uh, and they have, that's a website where you get a certain amount of the basic level content like for free, so you can read through. And then as you expand your knowledge and want to try different things, you can buy different books because certain books have certain characters and stories that you can tell. Nice. So yeah, there's plenty of places you can go, and then as well, there's lots of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts and video sessions. So you can always watch one of those to see how it all works. Okay. A good one if you want to watch the top level is called Critical Role, which is hosted by a bunch of voice actors in America. Incredibly good and also incredibly popular. The mm. quality of the show is top notch as well, so you can always give that a watch. Uh, on YouTube, they release all the VODs, so Critical Role is a good one to watch, just to get a flavour of how it can be played at very high level. Brilliant. Well, I, I hope that some people who maybe have not experienced that before might just give it a go uh, from listening to what you said, and there might be a crossover. Some of the Dungeons and Dragons realm might come over and have a listen to this podcast as well, which would be yeah. fun. I suppose the last thing to do, Gareth, is just to uh, just let me know how are the sweets going to help you in your donkey um, existence now? Your your jelly tots and your chewits are they going to see you through whilst life on a donkey continues? I think I can bribe the donkey to kick the old man. Yeah, because you you get a lot of tots in one jelly packet. And hey. If that doesn't work, do you know what? You and the donkey could get into a loving relationship and it would be a stable one. 
<laughs> Donkey puns. Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author R.A. Montgomery, hosted by Colin Lego, featuring special guest Gareth Morgan, voiceover by Samuel Thomas, produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Ant McGinley. Remember, you could find us on Instagram and Twitter at Page Turner Show. Find us, message us, like us. Until we meet next time, remember, choose wisely.